Welcome to, um, well, there's your problem. It's podcast, but engineering disasters. It has slides. Well, two and I'm, a half hosts today. Mm-hmm, two and a, mm-hmm. Yeah, two and a half. Your hosts have been compressed into a soup-like homogenate from extreme sleep deprivation. I was going to make a two and a half men joke, but I wasn't sure if that would be transphobic. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's like, it's funny if I'm that kind of non-binary. So let me just transgender again real quick so you can make that joke and then <laughs> I'll transgender trans- back. Trans- transgender as in transcend. Yeah, yeah it's, oh, like, yeah. it's a verb. I'm going to transgend. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you think it's transgender? Because I, you know, I transgend. I'm transgending. Fuel, fuel, yeah. Fuel. No, what you guys should see the rays emitting from her right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they upgraded me to Unreal Engine Five. I got all wow. kinds of fucking oh ray tracing look, shit. Look at the shadows on you. Wow, subsurface <laughs> scattering. Oh mm. my god. Oh, twenty-two frames per second. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, do you, do you want a prettier Alice, or do you want a, an Alice with a higher frame rate, you know? <laughs> yeah, give me that 144, Alice. <laughs> <laughs> All of a sudden, you start getting blockier. <laughs> the polygons start disappearing. So goddamn goddamn press. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> How does that feel for you? <laughs> oh, I mean, you know, it's, it's quite comforting, really, knowing that you're on potato compression. <laughs> the gentrification is a thing if you uh, oh, go yeah. go into a black hole. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But the black hole doesn't reduce the number of polygons; it just changes the just topology. Str- that, that's how we're gonna do quantum computing: out. is we're gonna do video compression with black holes. There you right, go. We solved it. We solved, solved it. it. DARPA. DARPA. Hit us up. Yeah. All right. Uh, welcome to Well, there's your problem. It's a podcast. About engineering disasters, it has slides. Ostensibly, I'm, yes. I'm Justin Rosniak. I'm the person who's talking right now. My pronouns are he and him. Okay, I am Alice Caldwell Kelly. I am the person who is talking now. I am very tired, and my oh, pronouns know, baby girl. are well, she and her. I know, baby. We'll get through this together. <laughs> Hi, my name is Liam Anderson. Uh, Yay, no, Liam. Longer, no longer Yay, plugged Liam. by Pep Boys. <laughs> uh, my pronouns are he and him. What you see on the screen in front of you, um, you can see a signal bridge for a railroad. Hmm. Uh, you yeah, may it's notice it's of, leaning. Oh, it, yeah, it's a little bit of an angle, but it's fine. It's still good. You can fit a train onto that. It, it hasn't been sipping that perp. <laughs> <laughs> there is there is also a um, there is also a, a train underneath it on its side. Uh, well, that that's more of a problem. Oh. Yes. You get hit by a really Tra- strong wind or something. Trains only do that when they're extremely uh, stressed. Mm. Just knock the signal bridge over, knock the train over too. It's not supposed to be like this. Mm. Um, today we're going to talk about the 1943 uh, Frankfurt Junction derailment of the Congressional Limited. Ooh. And it was, uh, it, it was one of the last derailments caused by a very, very old piece of railroad technology. But first, we have to do the goddamn news. The internet is down. With- it's gone. Genie, yeah, it's gone. you're free. 
Yeah, it, it's it, it, it's over. It's done. Um, we don't actually like at time of recording. We're not entirely clear on how this has happened, other than that Facebook has locked their keys inside their own car. Yes, um, uh, something about they've wiped the the DNS is also not reporting. Yes, so Facebook doesn't even exist right now. Basically, yes, Facebook Facebook is now uh, is Please lost. Note that this is we're recording this the day it happened. So yes, details change. And yes. something different. There's something different on Wednesday. Don't go in the comments. Be like, actually, I don't fucking care. But fucking essentially, care. that next is of my like ass with my CS minor. Leave of, me alone. Of, of Facebook, uh, WhatsApp, Instagram, all down. Um and like white girls what, everywhere. What are yeah. they gonna do? <laughs> <laughs> what's what's desperately funny about this, aside from like the hubris of Facebook putting their entire shit on servers that only they control and only they can access, is that um th they're having some problems fixing it because all of their shit runs on Internet of Things. So Facebook employees, I'm now hearing, can't get into their offices, can't get into the conference rooms, because all of those are controlled through uh, software that lives on the server that they now can't access. I saw that because as well, and it is amazing. Because they're tech guys, they don't realize that a crowbar is not just a thing from Half-Life, there's one in no. real life you can use <laughs> in order to, in order to open They're doors. literally having to do this. They're having to send a team to a data center in California to physically turn the thing on and off again to see if that's going to work. And I maybe they're going to have to like axe their way through some doors, I don't know. Maybe it's, it's like Black Mesa in there. It's like that South Park episode. <laughs> With the giant router. <laughs> With the giant router, yeah. <laughs> Much like Black Mesa, it'll take 10 years to come out, and what it does... Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I mean, this this does have, like, very serious consequences, but it's also hilarious, is the thing. This is very funny. Well, right yeah. before we recorded, um, my own router decided to, to be unhappy and just stop providing me with internet. Yeah, and so it's embarrassing. Yeah, I thought I thought it was just the whole internet was gone. Sympathy I was like, strike. okay. <laughs> well, for a lot of a lot of a lot of people in what you might loosely call the global south, right? The internet basically is down. It is like, WhatsApp. This yeah. is true. Yeah, yeah. A, a lot of people, uh, like South America, the Middle East, Africa, uh, like a lot of people use WhatsApp as their like pretty much only means of internet-based communication. They're not going to all switch to fucking Signal or whatever today, right? Yeah. So. For a, a catastrophically large number of people, uh, the internet is just out, and it's all because this guy decided to be a monopolist, which is great. Yes, man. Hell, I was like, uh, I was thinking, like, oh boy, I should probably make some calls while the cell network is still up. Um, <laughs> oh my god, it's happening! <laughs> yeah, we we all became preppers for about ten minutes. Yes, <laughs> and I mean, I'm too lazy. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'd probably just get eaten by wolves. Yeah, whatever, yeah. man, I'm fat. <laughs> yeah, I've spent most of my life auditioning for my role in post-apocalyptic hellscape as corpse. I'm like, <laughs> I'm gonna try and die in a, like, environmental storytelling way, like a Bethesda game. Like, I'm gonna fucking, like, paint, like, oh, hope I don't get eaten by wolves on a wall, and then immediately underneath it get eaten by wolves. If it happens, it happens. I, you know, whatever. You may, man. Have to, you, you may have to horror of horrors. Talk to your neighbors. 
Shut oh. up. You don't talk to your neighbors now, you fucking dweeb. This is true. <laughs> I'm not denying. Besides, besides, besides hauling shit up the stairs from his Venus. You, you, might have to, like, you might have to start a collective farm with your neighbors. My god. Uh, it's like another. one of those cafes, it's like, talk to each other. Pretend Aww. like it's 1995 again. Who, the people who write those signs are fucking creaming their jeggings at that. Like yes. we've, we're just we are having to just talk to one another. No Wi-Fi password, and everyone hates it. What's the difference between jeggings and skinny jeans? Um, jeggings are stretchier. Oh. Yeah, I guess so. I I think it's kind of a you know I think the terminology is also a bit elastic. Is the thing. Oh, I see. I see. I mean, is it still denim if it's that elastic? Yeah, uh, you can, you can yeah, like stretch yeah. denim. Like, the, listen, P Americans and Britons have been getting faster and faster year on year, and so like some of some of the world's finest material scientists have uh, made their careers on making stretchier denim to accommodate the girthier American. You know, uh, I'm thinking I, this is a uh, development, really, of the Chuck Norris action jeans. <laughs> yeah, uh, gives you that room to move. But like yes. as a as as a forty-two inch waist holder myself, uh yeah, no, absolutely. Stretchy denim is uh yeah. pro probably mankind's greatest invention. Can confirm. I have uh I had a Stitch Fix uh subscription for a bit. Uh because I don't know if you know this, but I'm not the world's most stylish man, as many of you could probably guess. <laughs> we're also like we're, we're kind of a big and tall podcast, yeah, like morphologically. Yes. This yes. is true. Uh and I got a pair of uh and I'm not a jeans wearer. Uh Roz can attest to this. I will mm -hmm. show up anywhere and everywhere shorts. in basketball shorts. Yep, yep. 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 Liam is very anti-jeans. They I don't like the way the fabric feels on my skin. Uh, I don't have autism that we know of. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I feel you because like, I, I saw <laughs> I, I saw a denim like a buyer, right? You know the like full length robe. I saw one of those oh. made of denim, like a long denim jacket, nope. and I was like, "Yeah, great, that's fine." Until you get like rained on once and you die of blunt force trauma from all the fucking water <laughs> hitting you at once. <laughs> Look like shit, too. My girlfriend and all her friends love them some jean jackets. And I'm just like, even the thought, I'm like, she's like, you should get a jean jacket. Like, nope, 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 no denim for Liam. Nope. No. I own two pairs of jeans, and that's two more than I want to own. <laughs> yeah, I wear these jeans to go to Canadians' funerals. <laughs> I like jean jackets, but only when girls wear them. I wouldn't wear I, them. I'd never do that. Uh, that's weird. Yeah, I kind of got a thing for jean jackets, and we're all just going to talk about what we like. <laughs> 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 all right, all right. That, girls, that, girls, that, and girls and jean jackets. Fucking DM each of us. I and, guess. Oh, and glasses. If if you. Mm. Mm. Thank you. Mm. In other Which, news, other than <laughs> jeans, of what we like. Amtrak's <laughs> uh, Empire Builder derailed last week. Yo. Yeah, you got uh, yelled at for being insensitive on the internet. I did get yelled at for being insensitive about it. I was also on an Amtrak uh, long distance train at the time. Um. You were praying for derailment, but God missed and hit the Empire Builder instead. No, I, I would not like to derail on the, nope. on the uh, Southern Crescent, because we would go straight into Lake Pontchartrain. Um, ah, yeah. You can swim. I, yeah, but can yeah, you swim and kick out a window? You have to get out of the car before you can swim, yeah. Yeah, whatever, dude. Logistics, logistics. <laughs> <laughs> well, Where did this derail? One. 
this one was in Montana. Montana. Mm. Um, this is the Chicago to Seattle train. Undulating landscape. Yes. Um, and uh, no one's quite certain how this one happened yet either. Um, you know, well, some, it was a some switch. So mm. it may have been the switch. It may have not been the switch. The switch seems like the most likely culprit here. But um, you know, the the, the idea that the you know Amtrak would pick a switch on territory that's good for eighty miles an hour is um very very uh, damning of uh, Burlington Northern Santa Fe's uh, maintenance of that switch. That's fair. Mm, on the other hand, given some of the stories we've heard about railroad maintenance on this show, uh, some of the stories we're about to hear about railroad maintenance on this yes. show. Yes. Hmm. Well, we can, we also can't rule out uh, my favorite cause of any accident: sabotage. Mothman. This is true. Like, what? What, what about that one train that like derailed? They figured out it was sabotage and then never caught anybody. This happened oh, a couple yeah. times out west. Yeah. Well, the um. Uh, I mean, one of the interesting theories I saw put forward is that this switch is in Montana. Right? Yeah, it's controlled from Seattle. Whoa, Facebook, so, you bastard! Yeah, contro- <laughs> controlled through WhatsApp. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the Facebook Internet went of down, things. and the switch changed <laughs> underneath the train. <laughs> All of a oh sudden, you got multi-track God. drifting. That's like what people thought Y2K was gonna be. Like, planes falling out of the sky and shit. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. So yeah, that's another piece of news, and we don't know why it happened, much like Facebook. Maybe they're related. Did did anyone die? Uh, I think three people died. Yeesh. Mark Zuckerberg has a lot to answer for. I was about to say, yeah. Well, there's untold numbers to. of like drug deals going wrong in South America and Africa right now, which are <laughs> fucking Zuckerberg's <laughs> fault. So you know, what we're saying is that it's it's good to help drug dealers communicate more clearly because that helps avoid misunderstandings in a business yes. where misunderstandings c- tend to lead to like gunfights. That is what we're saying. Yes, I yes, see. Exactly. Thank God we're being uh, so direct and unequivocal about it. <laughs> Listen. It's a rough business, on account of it being illegal. (laughs) So if we can't legalize uh, drugs, if we can't legalize selling dope, then we we gotta at least ensure that they have good communication methods. I think, generally speaking, most of the cartels don't have huge problems with each other, except, except when they can't communicate. Right? Communication is the foundation of any healthy relationship. That is true. Justin Rosniak <laughs> solves the cartel wars. You just have to get everyone in a room, and they can talk yeah. it out. Yeah, a, 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 <laughs> yeah. a guy co- tried that in Mexico. Didn't didn't work out so well for him. Uh, yeah, well, he 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 probably wasn't as skilled as I am. I'm not saying yeah, I'm going to do it, what it was. but. <laughs> yeah, you, you're gonna fucking be the like next uh, Miguel Angel Felix Gallardo, but you're gonna have fucking uh, like signal instead. Yes, exactly. So, with that in mind, let's talk about trains. One second, I have one more piece of news. Oh, I was about to hit the drop, but go ahead. I uh, so I at sea. The, I forget what it stands for. It's the film union. 
It's the big film union. 95% International Alliance of Theatrical yeah. Stage Employees. 95% plus vote yes for strike authorization. Dudes uh, rock. Shout out specifically to New York Local 600. Uh, my friend Josh is a member of that union. Uh, he is giddy with anticipation about striking. Uh, hopefully they do vote. They authorize the strike. Uh, my, I know that it's not specific to Josh's experience necessarily. I don't want to get him in trouble. Uh, but uh, the film industry uh, is, is, is a killer. Uh, you're talking burn 15 Hollywood hours. Burn. Yeah. Yes. Uh, we actually just got an email from unnamed reader. Uh, they specifically asked, I not named them, about the possibility of doing it, uh, a film industry episode, which would be interesting. Okay, uh, so yeah, uh, Strike Forever, Solidarity with IATSE, Solidarity with New York Local 600, uh, Burn, motherfucker. <laughs> yes. Bunch of Cecil B. DeMille guys and riding Jodhpur's getting really upset right now. Alright. So... The first thing I think we need to do in this episode uh, about the 1943 Frankfurt Junction train wreck is find out what is Frankfurt Junction. A place where nothing bad ever happened. It's, it's, it's this thing in it's this, between thing. the $1 store and Ballroom Dance Lessons Philadelphia. Yes, also the Garage Mahal is right up here. <laughs> Pete's Clown House? Don't go there. Uh, I don't know. Pete's clown Dude, house. No, I need you to actually promise me you won't go there. What the fuck is a Pete's clown Do house? Do not go I'm there. I'm not sure I want to go I'm not going to go there, but I, I want to know what no, it is. you don't want to know. I think oh. just off screen is um just off screen is one pound cheesesteaks. Which is um, very good. That is actually I, very I good, love, yeah. I love that we have Pete's clown house across the street from Angelo's pizza house, like two for. <laughs> So, okay, Frankfurt Junction, right? Um, so the earliest connection from Philadelphia to like places north of Philadelphia, right, was the Philadelphia and Trenton Railroad, which in Trenton connected with the United Railroads of New Jersey for service to New York City, or the United Companies, excuse me. Um, so that was the Philadelphia and Trenton Railroad. It terminated in a station in a neighborhood called Kensington, right? Mm. Um, <laughs> Ken Kensington is where you get the uh, drugs. Yeah, um, not not it, very much like Kensington in London. Then no, Ken Kensington <laughs> is a hard neighborhood in Philadelphia. Yes, mm. uh, to put it very lightly. Um, so the original right of way runs sort of like this, you know, and it continues going down to Trenton. Or excuse me, to uh, the Kensington Station, which no longer exists, of course. Of course. Um, so the Pennsylvania Railroad, right, terminated at several stations in the early days in Philadelphia. Most of them were on Market Street, right? They'd bring the uh, train to the city limits, and then they would detach the locomotive. They'd hook the cars up to horses, and the horses would pull them into the station the oh, last yeah. two or three miles, right? Every, everyone um, loved this, I assume. Oh, yeah, it was uh, fantastic. Uh, it was great for, you know, throughput. It was great for passengers. Everyone loved it. It was a, just a great, <laughs> great situation for all involved parties, right? If all of us are mule teams, then none of us are mule teams. So this was um, 
That was her trains coming, uh, going and coming from the west uh, to and from Pittsburgh, right? Um, and then to the south, there was another railroad called the Philadelphia, Wilmington, and Baltimore, right? And they terminated the station at Broad in Washington, which is actually still there. It's part, it's now a grocery store. And um, a Target. Huh. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, they put, a, they put a five over one next to it, which looks awful. Um, oh, sort of Square, I actually don't it mind in, it that much. I don't like it. I think it's a really bad building. Really? Oh, yeah. I, yeah I'm not, I'm, I'm, of all the shitty new development in Philly, that's one that doesn't really offend me. It's, uh, this, actually, it's you know, the, the randomly placed windows in the metal panel. Yeah, okay, I, I, I see what you're I don't like that whole, that whole paradigm of building. I, I am very against. I, it it I looked know. better before Civic Design Review got to it. That is true. I will that, say that. I, um, I will, you know, yeah, anytime, anything that goes that. through Civic Design Review comes out the other side looking a hell of a lot worse. Anyway, you had three railroads, three stations, none of them connected with each other very effectively, right? Perfect. That, that's efficiency. That's the market. Yep. They would just take, if you had to move a car from one railroad to the other, um, and I think in the beginning they even had different gauges, but if you had to take a car from one railroad to the other, or in the early days, you had a sectional canal boat that you brought from one railroad to the other, um, you had to hitch it behind a horse and drag it through the city on tracks in the streets, right? Um, and this is a time sink. It was bad for travelers, bad for revenue, bad for everyone, right? Even after- Kids threw rocks at you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I still do that. Um, it's a Philly tradition. Even after just the- preying on your insecurities, like, yeah, nice canal boat, horse boy, and you're just <laughs> like, <Yes>. oh. <laughs> Dude, 1840s teens must have been terrifying. Oh, yeah, <laughs> following you down the street on fucking spring-heeled boots. Terrifying. They're, they're like dueling, doing wheelies on a horse somehow. <laughs> In front yeah, of the yeah, omnibus. Just, I, I love the idea of like walking past a stoop and there's a bunch of like intimidating 1840s teens <laughs> playing like hoop and stick. <laughs> I don't like being called scrotum face. <laughs> I don't have a scrotum thing. So even after the Pennsylvania Railroad gained control of all of these railroads, there were still this horse car situation for a long time. And a solution was devised, which was called the Connecting Railroad, right? So the Connecting Railroad traveled from the Pennsylvania Railroad mainline at Mantua Junction, which is now called Zoo Interlocking. It's called Zoo because interlockings have a three letter code. And this one is next to the Philadelphia Zoo. Um, mm. <laughs> um, and this went through uh, the relatively undeveloped uh, northern parts of Philadelphia. Um, and it connected with the Philadelphia and Trenton in a neighborhood, ca- neighborhood called Frankfurt, right? Hence Frankfurt Junction. So this is the connecting railroad here on this nice broad curve, right? I see. Um, this railroad was completed in 1867 and quickly became the, uh, Pennsylvania railroads, um, not the main line, the Northeast corridor from New York city to Washington, DC, though there were still some bottlenecks North and South, especially South in Baltimore, where, um, they almost managed to assassinate Lincoln when he was, uh, being dragged (laughs) through the city on a horse car. Um, Oh yeah, they had like uh, bodyguards with knuckle dusters and shit. Interesting times. Uh, so over time, 
Frankfurt Junction like expanded, right? The uh, they opened something called the Del Air Bridge. That's this line heading over here that goes to uh, South Jersey. They opened that in 1895. So now there were trains from South Jersey and the shore in the mix. Um, and by the 1940s, it had come into what was essentially its modern form, right? Which is a sort of complex junction that you know sorted a whole bunch of trains from a four-track main line and a two-track main line and the uh, Philadelphia and Kensington branch, which by this time was significantly less important. Um, mm. Right. Kind of kind of thing that you open up the like route map and train simulator and you're like, oh, this makes my head hurt. Yeah, exactly. Yes. It's uh, it's 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 uh, uh, transport tycoon shit. Um mm. <laughs> It's like where you don't like realize that you're trying not to like demolish anything, so you're just building lines around other lines. Mm -hmm. mm. Yes, so horrifyingly known, complex. Great, perfect. Yes, it's known today for having an especially slow curve in a section of otherwise high speed track, but that's not actually our subject for today, right? Okay. Because uh, uh, both sides of this, uh, both sides of this junction are good for like 110, I believe, but the curve itself is good for 50. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, luckily, this has never been an issue, as we know. Yes. Um. All right. <laughs> thank, thank you to Tom Coletti for this uh, meme that I used for this slide. I, I don't <laughs> like a position light. Uh, I, I don't like them. Thank I, I you. Like, I like position lights a lot. I think they're mm, cool. I, I think they're less clear. Well, there's also color position lights, which is what Amtrak uses now. Mm, just, just use the fucking like traffic light. Do, 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 do use a like a red, a double yellow, like a flashing yellow. Make us. Single yellow and a green. Just do no. that. Just do that. Just use, no. just use fucking normal block signaling. Alice, like have, a you normal seen, have you seen the rule book? Yeah. There are a lot more aspects than that you have to cover. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just fucking put a purple lens on there and shit. There's, there's stuff you can do. Like, uh, I don't know. And whatever you do, it's better than German signaling. This just says take the Third Reich. <laughs> <laughs> So the Pennsylvania Railroad, right, uh, had the optimum East Coast main line, the Northeast Corridor, right, as early as like 1870-something, right? And they were dealing with, as a result, increasing traffic, like lots and lots of uh, railroad traffic they didn't know what to do with, right? Um, so some of your traditional methods of increasing capacity, uh, especially in the 1800s for railroads, you would add more tracks, right? You mm -hmm. eliminate some of the bottlenecks, like especially in Baltimore, they built the B&P tunnel, which um, eliminated the horse car uh, segment of that journey. Uh, they built the bridge over the Susquehanna, which eliminated the rail ferry, right? But at some point, you couldn't really add more tracks effectively, and you couldn't really, there were no bottlenecks left to eliminate other than like, okay, maybe we got to build a four-track tunnel instead of a two-track tunnel. Or maybe we got to build a four-track bridge yeah. instead of a two-track bridge. Imagine, and that was expensive. Imagine if railroad engineering followed the principles that would later come to define highway engineering, and the answer was uh, we 28 do twenty-eight track, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, twenty-eight right. track northeast corridor. Exactly. Yes. Um, that was almost considered for one of the early designs for Penn Station. That's a different episode. Um, 
very wide train hall. <laughs> oh, yes. So uh, they were experimenting with new methods for allowing more trains to use the same number of tracks, right? Um, one of them was automatic air brakes, right? Which slowly became ubiquitous across the industry in the late 1800s, right? Which allowed trains to stop much more quickly. Before you had automatic air brakes on trains, if you wanted to stop the train, what had to happen was... You have a brake man. Yeah, you have a brake man. It was a passenger train. He had to go back through the cars, set all the brakes individually on each car using a big wheel, right? And if it was a freight train, he had to walk on the top of the cars all the way back to the train, set all the brakes individually, right? Um, and sometimes he would fall off and die. Yeah, and kind, kind of shit that makes uh, conservatives be like, ah, jobs when men were men. Yes. Um, and that was bad, because if he fell off and died, number one, he was dead. Number two, the train couldn't stop. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so lesson one, don't fall. Lesson don't two fall. through ten, don't fall off the train. <laughs> uh, so, but in the late like 1800s <laughs> and early 1900s, we're talking prior to 1910, um, Pennsylvania Railroad experimented with a lot of other safety devices like illuminated electric signals, um, automatic train stop systems, right? There was a, they were on the fence for a while about whether they would control their trains using signals or automatic train stop. Um, you know, there, there, there was this thought in, in the, the 1800s. Yes. Yeah, and you know, we can't get PTC figured out in 2021. <laughs> uh, they had, they, they experimented with um, cab signals even. Um, wow. I think I, those weren't until the 20s. Um, but that was uh, that was implemented before the Northeast Corridor had electric traction. Jesus. Um, wow. You know, and this is all to improve safety, but also allow for denser railroad traffic. You can run trains closer together, right? And it, they created a lot of the infrastructure that runs the Northeast Corridor to this day, right? Mm. So, you know, they um, they had a very advanced system going on the Pennsylvania Railroad. There was one technology, though, that was very slow to be applied, and those were roller bearings, right? Point so, to me the roller bearings here. Roller bearings, you see these, these blue guys? Mm-hmm. Right? You have, a, you have a bearing on top, you have your roller, your rollers are in there, right? This is how the weight is transferred from the truck onto the, um, from the car onto the truck, uh -huh. onto the axle, onto the wheel, onto the rail, right? Right. Okay. So, you know, you have this issue where you're trying to transfer this weight onto a rotating shaft, right? Uh. So you need <laughs> bearings, right? And, and, and in the early 20th century and before, these bearings were very, very primitive. Um, you know, so... You had something called the plane bearing, right? Or the friction bearing, or the journal bearing. It's a couple of names for this. I, it's I, really... I, see, I see here that it's on fire. That's bad. Yeah, you don't. That's that's the that's the axle is going to be on fire. Is yes. what that's going to be. Yes. Um. 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 This is a very bad thing, which we will get to shortly. <laughs> So your original railroad cars, the weight was transferred by means of a plane bearing or a friction bearing. So you have this thing called a journal box, right? Which is this box here that's on fire. 
right? Mm-hmm. And oh, it's dear. full of oil and rags. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah. I, 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 okay, I do kind of love the 19th century's approach to fire safety. It's just mm-hmm. like, yeah, listen, where else am I going to store it's a rag my oily rags? On it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you. Need- well, what, what do you mean? My warehouse is burned down. That's where I keep all of my oily rags. You need the oily <laughs> rags because the oily rags continuously lubricate the rotating shaft. Industrial right? society is a conspiracy to generate as many oily rags as possible, uh, and then you have to find like use cases Ask for me them. Ask about my period. Uh, Jesus Christ! Also, uh, I have a drop for this. Lube oils. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, so this was um, so you know this is uh, this is in order to continuously lubricate the rotating shaft, which is in contact <laughs> with the bearing pad. Yeah, right, I am which amazed is, you're getting through this with a straight face. I'm just. I mean, I'm hard as hell listening to you talk about lubrication, engineering. <laughs> and this is serious Ross, I'm pointing. engineering. There's nothing funny about this. There's no, right? Listen, don't be immature. There's nothing funny about lubricating a, a, a shaft. A, a rotating yeah. shaft. A rotating shaft. I was about to say, if your shaft is rotating, you should see a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> What's you he going to do? Should. Prescribe me some fucking oily rags? Yeah, it's you know, it's, it's all the people on Reddit talking about. Oh, I have a sex rag because all they want to do is brag about having sex, <laughs> and, and and you know, it also makes traits run. So two for one, mm-hmm. really. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this plane bearing, right, works very well. Um, it can handle a lot of weight. It can handle high speeds, except if there's an issue, and there's a couple issues that can happen. Uh, one of which is you can have a spark somehow. With this on the high railroad? speed on the railroad next to the wheels, yes, that can set the oil on fire, and then you run out of oil. Because the problem is not the fire itself; the problem is when you run out of oil. If there's a leak there and the oil leaks out, you can also have a problem, right? Oh, so just keep spraying oil into the fire. That's a, that's how I do it. That's what you're gonna have to do, yeah. So <laughs> if that happens, you lose the lubrication. Oh no. And the shaft starts to heat up. And it heats up very rapidly into very high temperatures, right? And this creates something called a hot box. Uh, I believe you mean every I day. You meant testicular torsion. <laughs> <laughs> so a hot box, before it had its modern meeting, a, a hot box was a journal box wherein this bearing was contained, which was overheating on fire, about to fail, right? Um, because once you ran out of oil, this bearing would, um, you know, just heat up exponentially to the point where the uh, the shaft would fail, right? And the axle breaks and derails the train. Yes. Uh, right. Yeah, you, you basically, you, you break the axle, the train falls down onto the oh. tracks. It usually causes an absolutely catastrophic derailment because these failures are much more likely ha- to happen at high speed than low speed. These are all um, wooden. Are we still in the wooden cars era? We are, aren't we? Oh yeah, we still have wooden cars. Yeah, okay. And just just in general, you don't see a lot of axle failures in modern train accidents. Like the yes, that's a relatively resilient part. Yeah. So this is mostly a solved problem. 
it took a surprisingly long time to solve it. We'll get to that later. Um, so you needed to pay really careful attention to all of these journal boxes when the train was going down the railroad. You actually have um, designated points where you know a train would slow down. There'd be men on each side of the track, and they would you know look at every single journal box as the train passed, right? Um, and if the uh, if the train had no problems, they'd give the signal. The train was all black, right? Because uh, mm-hmm. nothing was red hot in there, right? Yo, uh, and otherwise, you know, they stopped the train. The black edition. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, in, but also, in order to slow it down to do that, a guy has to run along the roof of every like this oh. is a, an extremely dangerous jobs program. All yeah. around, very, very, very labor intensive. Yeah. Mm. Um, lots of people losing uh, anything limbs. from fingers <laughs> to limbs. Yeah. <laughs> Are you drinking so, bourbon? No, I'm drinking Fanta, but I put ice in it. Oh, smart no. girl. I would kill for a Fanta right now. Even though it's a Nazi drink. Yeah, I was about to it's, say, you know, is, you know who like... else killed for a Fanta? <laughs> <laughs> listen, listen. Between that and the Volkswagen, two two good ideas. The uh, only good ones they had. Hey. What about, uh, yeah, what about Nutella? Uh, was Nutella Nazi too? You're going to fucking... Well, as Italian fascist, but what? Yeah, fuck, yeah. shit. I mean, oh, Jesus. Okay, I, wow. Yes. <laughs> welcome back to genocide chat. Well, welcome back to genocide chat. So I'm, you know, I'm, I, I love horrified there. I love Nutella, and uh, yeah, no. So is, is is nothing I like not a product of fascism? At, at which point you remind me I live in Britain, and it's just yes. like, oh, okay. Not really. <laughs> You know, sometimes you just, you know, you have to, you have to just enjoy the things you enjoy. And, mm. um, you know, if it's no fascist, how many Jews died whatever. in concentration camps. <laughs> Fuck's uh, sake. If it makes you feel better, Alice, there I was, little 18 year old Liam. Mm-hmm. And I loved Nutella. And as an 18th birthday present to myself, I imported a five kilo, that's 11 pounds for those of you in the States, jar of Nutella. That rules. Good idea. I started eating it. I I can no longer actually eat Nutella. The smell, like the mention of it, upsets my stomach. <laughs> uh, it, it's like it's like the thing where the kid's dad catches them smoking and makes them yes. smoke the whole pack. That's you did that to yourself. <laughs> At the end, it turned into like Nutella soup, and oh. my my friend Adam. I remember would just go into the my kitchen with a spoon and come out like twenty minutes later, oh. uh, just having done what I can only assume was sex things to the Nutella. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's got that gorilla grip, Alice. What's a young man supposed oh. to do? I I I don't like this dis- lube oils discussion <laughs> at all. So anyway, these journal boxes had to be lubricated <laughs> very frequently to ensure reliable operation. Hopefully, there there a lot of ways they the could Nutella fail. in there. Yeah, <laughs> yes. we've got it. And this was something that was, um, you know, recognized as a serious problem early on in railroading. Or not recognized as a serious problem, but people had solutions for it. But it wasn't until 1899 when uh, Henry Timken founded the Timken Roller Bearing Company. Mm. Right. And Tipkin had some ideas how to reduce friction 
and the hazards associated with plane bearings by replacing them with roller bearings, right? Wheels uh, within wheels, quite literally. Yes. yes. I mean, a roller bearing is a really, really old idea, right? You know, the simplest roller bearings out there were used by the ancient Egyptians to like move giant blocks of stone by putting logs underneath them and, you know, then roll. Uh, do you mean first by the ancient uh, Israelites <laughs> to do that? I believe that's what you meant. Yeah, but like right. being supervised by aliens. I was about Never to say, you're going to need it. <laughs> that, that's the hierarchy on the job site is grey alien Egyptian Israelite <laughs> yeah but in, in fairness ball. in fairness the aliens did pass down the technology to build the Jewish space laser they did so, and to that, <laughs> for, for that we were grateful okay so we're talking about roller bearings right so you have a your shaft turns in sort of a pocket right and has mm -hmm. these steel cylinders on the outside, right, which sort of roll against the outer casing. They're in a, a guideway called a race, right? Um, so you have very low friction, you have very low maintenance, you have less things to catch fire and catastrophically fail. They are, however, more expensive. Mm-hmm. Also, um, it is insane how much shit, like, when, when we used a lot of, like, heavy, sort of direct mechanical stuff like this, how much you need bearings, because, like, this was a thing that I, uh, I, I got into through military history, when you'd see shit like the, um, the US and British, like, bombing campaign over Germany, you'd see, like, oh yeah, they destroyed, like, an entire city and, like, two-thirds of the air crews got killed in order to blow up a ball bearing factory. And yes. you're like, well, why would you need to blow up a factory that makes ball bearings? And the answer is because you use them in anything that, like, traverses. Because everything uses them, exactly. Yeah, yes. exactly. Um, so, Timken, they had some difficulty marketing these, uh, these roller bearing systems for a long time. And one thing that really changed the tide was when they, uh, they did their big publicity stunt. They uh, commissioned the Al American locomotive company, Alco, to build this locomotive, the Timken Four Aces, right? It looks great. One, 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 one. It also uh -huh. had the, 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 the four cards. What do you call it? The, 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 um, on, the, the like suits. Like. The suits. They got the four suits on the uh, steam dome here. Um, uh, you know, yeah. They built this as the first all roller bearing equipped locomotive. Um, huh. And they sent it on demonstration tours around the country. Um, and it had incredibly superior performance, right? Um, just based on how little friction there was. Um, and it was, uh, it's very, very successful. It could, you could pull heavier loads. It could, you know, it could do all kinds of stuff, right? Catch fire um, a lot less. It did not catch fire even once. Which um, <laughs> incredible for the time. Yes. Um, this, this locomotive actually, after they, uh, they did the publicity stunt, um, the Northern Pacific bought it and used it in regular service until 1957. Um, and mm. then when they found out it was being retired, Timken was like, hey, we want to buy this thing and, you know, put it on like in front of our offices. Uh, Northern nice. Pacific was like, yeah, this is a great idea. And then during negotiations, they accidentally scrapped it. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, railroad management is not good. Um, no. So. You know, roller bearings didn't really become standard on equipment, though, until after World War II, right? Um, and of course, 
you know, they, they, they became standard on passenger equipment a little bit earlier though, uh, because they gave a smoother ride. Mm. I don't think they, I don't think the first freight cars with roller bearings showed up until like just after world war two. Imagine that's not a huge priority. Yeah. 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 Who cares if the, you know, a, a cattle car catches on fire, you know, mm. right. the castle probably. Well, yeah, uh, well. well, you're going to kill them anyway. <laughs> this is just expediting the process. Yeah, you, really. What you've done is you've created a smoker. Yes. <laughs> so now, with that in mind, we should talk about the Pennsylvania Railroad's P seventy coach and its development. It's a good looking coach. It does look very good. Uh, I always thought it was a really good looking one. Um, you know, so, someone made a model of it for transport fever. I don't know who. I thought it looked very nice, so I put it right right here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great look. Yeah, exactly. Um, So anyway, in the 19 aughts, right, before 1910, Pennsylvania Railroad was in a bit of a situation. They were in a jam, right? They were building Mm. this big new thing called Penn Station, right? Penn Station was underground with long approach tunnels on both sides, right? And it seemed unwise to run conventional wooden passenger cars into it, right? Um, all steel rail car. Hell yes. yes, the first production one. Yes, this uh, this this development scheme led to a car called the P seventy. The P seventy. The P is for passenger. The seventy is seventy feet between the bulkheads. I I I see on the schematic here on the bottom left they have a P seventy broiler. What 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 is what that? I have no clue. Hmm. If, um, listener, if you know what a P seventy broiler is, uh, just go ahead and let us know. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking like uh, you know, you got your you got your broiler chicken. You have your what's the other kind? <laughs> your rotisserie, rotisserie uh, chicken. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, this is uh, seventy feet between bulkheads. First one sat eighty eight passengers. Later one sat eighty passengers. Uh, I think they eventually settled on 72 once they were re- re- renovated a couple more times. Uh, it's about 80 feet coupler to coupler. Um, and this was the first of what we would call heavyweight cars, right? All hmm. steel cars, Rude. clear story roof, right? Uh, you can sort of see up here. Um, most, of these, most of these types of heavyweight cars had six axles. The P70 had four, though. Um, and you know what? One of the things that uh, uh, was a characteristic of heavyweight cars was they were extremely heavy, which was thought to provide a better ride. Mm. Um, and these P seventy cars were built in several batches by several manufacturers. A lot of them have differences between each other, right? You know, so your earliest cars had lower numbers in like the one thousand series. They had friction bearings, plane bearings, right? And the newer cars, which were built in the teens and the 20s, and I think even into the 30s, um, they had higher numbers. They were in the 3,000 and 4,000 series. They had roller bearings. They had air conditioning. You can tell an air-conditioned car Damn. because it has this, um, this little protrusion right up here, right? I, lo- I love to be in the 1920s in my air-conditioned, cab-signaled, uh, like, yeah, positively-controlled train, thinking, the railroads are gonna get better every year forever. Yes. 
Who knows what they'll be writing in in uh, in in twenty twenty one? Jesus, yeah, exactly. So over the lifetimes of these cars, they were refurbished and upgraded many times. The last ones were not retired until the early nineteen eighties. Jesus, um, yeah. Cool. New Jersey Transit was running some. There was also a a train that ran out of Chicago called the Valparaiso Dummy. Which uh, was using them until it was discontinued. <laughs> I kind of, I kind of like that though. It's like some uh, sustainability. You know, you built the thing to last, and it lasts. Yeah, they're serious exactly. about it in railroads. The, 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 the most, the most efficient, the most ecological railroad car is the one you've already built. This is true. Um, during the '30s, a couple of these were dressed up to look like more modern, lightweight cars. Um, so you know, they, they, they sort of put some sheet metal over the Claire story, and then they Ruined painted it fancier, and they were like... Yeah, they did liposuction to them. It doesn't really lose you any weight, but it makes it look a bit thinner. Yes. So God, I want liposuction. With this knowledge, we should look at the Congressional Limited on September 6, 1943. Oh good, a specific date. Yes. It looks looks incredible though. Check out that thick layer of grime covering everything. It's the war, Alice. Yeah, it is. Well, this is and actually this is a color photograph from uh uh something that sort of looks like what the train would have looked like, but this is from the sixties, I think. Oh bell. St still yeah. looks fucking great. You have a thick layer of grime, you have um they 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 can't do the lowy pinstripes anymore, so they got the one thick stripe on the GG one. Um, they got the the big keystone wouldn't have been there, but you can see the P seventy coaches back here, right? Mm -hmm. um, so September sixth, nineteen forty three, the Congressional Limited left Washington D.C. about four in the afternoon, right? It's scheduled for a nonstop journey to New York City, a nonstop. It does stop in Newark, New Jersey. Um, that's the only stop it makes, right? Famous for being New York. That's why they're on the same side of the river and everything. The That's most right. convenient way to get to lower Manhattan was to get on the Hudson and Manhattan in Newark, right? Now the mm. path. So right. most trains were scheduled to stop there. In fact, that's why most trains are scheduled to stop there to this day. Um, sort of uh, inertia, right? Mm. Uh, this was a scheduled three and a half hour trip which is better than the Acela schedule. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Remember what they stole from you. Just thinking back to our, our 1920s railroad passenger being like, man, the future's going to be amazing. Uh, the future's going to be amazing, yeah. Um, it was also Labor Day, so the train was longer than usual, right? Uh, there were a bunch of passengers on board who were soldiers on leave from World War II. They were coming back from fighting Nazis to go visit their families, and then we're going to go back and fight some more Nazis, right? Uh -huh. All right. So, so now here's, here's where we have to think about some numbers, right? Uh, so the train was made up of uh, 4930, which is a GG1, this electric locomotive here. Well, and the coaches the were, locomotive ever built, yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. The coaches were 4706, 3751, 3940, 3771, 3861, 1860, 3941. Um, I, I see the problem <laughs> yeah. immediately. Yeah. I was going to say, I was, I was like, oh, it bothers me that they're not sequential, but 
So, so the ones two thousand. Well, when you, when you set this up with that, they made these in two flavors: the like three thousand ish series, which had the roller bearings, and the ones before that, which didn't. And then you read me a list of numbers, all of which are over three thousand, apart from one. Well, here's the interesting thing: um, the later series were also built with plain bearings, to my knowledge. Uh, also, they were again? modernized with roller bearings. Ah, uh, okay, okay. The earlier okay. series was modernized before roller bearings were a thing they knew what to do. Oh, interesting. So, oh, so they modernized it with the same like fucking hotbox bearings, but then they were like, well, we've already modernized it, what do you want? Yeah, exactly. We the, yeah. <laughs> we're not going to spend the money again, sure. Yeah. And then, then behind those were... Um, a couple other coaches, there was, um, or cars, there was a, there was the lunch counter kitchen car, there was a dining car, there was a parlor car, there was a second parlor car, there was a third parlor car. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Look, the Pullman company was, uh, I, 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 Serious? I, I making up, making bank off of this train. Uh, they had a sleeping car for some reason. I don't know. I assume that's a through car to somewhere else. Three and a half hour, like. <laughs> I, I imagine it was a through car to somewhere else. Oh, okay. Um, they had it's, a, the four, the, you, it's, it's in the forties. You just like, yeah, I, you I gotta, gotta go. I gotta go in the back and like, lunch, yeah, right? exactly, <laughs> and do some morphine, which is totally <laughs> legal still. I have to, uh, I have to consult with my secretary about important business. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right this way, Mister Rosniak. <laughs> <laughs> so, Coach eighteen sixty. You know, was it was a modernized car. It was modernized in 1935. It was built in 1909, right? Um, and because it was modernized early, it still had the friction bearings, right? Mm. So this proved to be an issue. I see. Um, Whoa. All was well with this train until it reached uh, a point just... Um, she would say westward of Frankfurt Junction, right? There's a man in the rail yard. He's spotted an overheated bearing in, guess which car? The 1801. Yeah, 1860, car number seven. Yeah, I did it. <laughs> so the train was traveling between about 45 and 70 miles an hour. There's a lot of conflicting uh, reports here. Mm. Um. But either way, he couldn't like immediately stop the train because WhatsApp was down. Right. That's back up now, apparently. This is true. Huh. So the train was, you know, traveling at a moderate rate of speed. It wasn't going super fast, right? And he called to another worker who was closer to the signal tower to tell the signal tower to stop the train. That guy ran up to Shore Tower. Uh, Shore Tower oh, what's was... What's up, yo, this train is jacked, LMAO. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, it is called Shore Tower because it controls the switches that send a train to the Jersey Shore. <laughs> <laughs> so he went I'm to Shore... I'm guessing this guy didn't run fast enough. He didn't quite make it there in time. Um, <laughs> so they called ahead to the next tower, Holmesburg Junction, to tell him to stop the train there, right? Um, and it was, uh, just a little bit too late, right? No. So, car 1860, which was the seventh car of the train, it had a hot box on the left front axle, right? Um, 
as it passed Shore Tower, just beyond the Frankfurt L Bridge, right, that bearing completely failed. Oh. So the front of car 1860 collapsed onto the tracks, and then it sort of vaulted over, right? Oh, shit. End over end for several hundred feet down the line until it whacked into a signal bridge, right? Which uh, peeled the roof off like a ca- like a can of sardines, spectators Ugh. said. Uh, God and, damn! And then it came Ugh. to a rest. Um, the following car, car number eight, which you see here, um, derailed in a less dramatic but no less deadly fashion. It sort of wrapped itself around the signal bridge um, support uh, in. What they described as sort of a U-shape. Now, I'm looking at this photograph. It doesn't look like a U-shape to me, but, you know. No, look, look, if you follow the, like, top edge of the, the carriage down, you can see it's got, like, yeah. it's more like a V-shape, but it's got, oh, like, a bend sense. in it, like yeah, a boomerang. Well, um, the following cars also derailed and sort of scattered themselves along this four-track right-of-way, right? Um, oh, shit, we lost the sleeping car with a bunch of drunk guys in it. I was about to say. If only well, been a twenty-eight of uh, a twenty-eight right of wife. Maybe if they were heavily if they were heavily enough asleep, maybe they'd be fine. Yeah, yeah just go limp. Just go, go limp. limp. Go. Stay loose, buddy. <laughs> That's our advice for surviving any disaster: is just go limp. Yeah, Ideally, every, be as drunk as possible. Everyone behind the coaches was drunk on seventy-five martinis. <laughs> <laughs> so the train derailed, right? You know, it was really bad. Um, the wreck was heard for like miles around. In fact, um, it was heard as far away as the William Cramp Shipyard, which was two and a half miles southwest of the accident, which is right just south of the place we now call Graffiti Pier, right? Um, workers at that shipyard were among the first people on scene. They did just brought acetylene torches and all kinds of crap to cut open the damaged train cars to rescue the injured and, you know, recover the dead. Um, now, it, recovery took more than 24 hours. I mean, it was a nasty scene. Um, yeah, it looks up. Yeah, that stands for a reason. Everyone who was killed was in car seven or eight. There were a number of serious injuries. There were 79 dead, 113 injured from Jesus. this incident. Do not hotbox your train. I recommend using roller bearings if you can. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> but one of the things I found most interesting about this um, particular disaster is the investigation and its conclusions, right? Oh, did they cover it up because of the war? No. Uh, mm. So the Interstate Commerce Commission was tasked with investigating the wreck and said, it is found that the accident was caused by a broken journal. Uh huh. Sure. What next? Well, that was the end of the report. Oh. <laughs> uh, all right. Look, there weren't like guy. recommendations as to how to prevent this from occurring in the future. There wasn't like any kind of, you know, it's just sort of like the whole the whole thing was based around well, you know, sometimes things just break and there's nothing we can do about it. Well, that's a wartime spirit that built this country. <laughs> I was about to say is uh, the whole report's like nine pages. Oh. Jesus. I guess yeah, it I guess, with, I guess so what happened is what happened was shit. (laughs) (laughs) 
So it's um, it, it, it was just bizarre to me that there was no like, okay, they weren't going to issue any recommendations. They weren't going to do anything of this sort. I, I mean, one of the weird things about roller bearings is something the railroad sort of adopted organically as opposed to having any regulations put on them because, you know, you know, plane bearing is clearly an obsolete technology, right, which is on its way out. Uh, mm-hmm. The Federal Railroad uh, Administration uh, finally banned them uh, for interchange service in 1994. What? <laughs> that is prompt. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Solid 51 years later. I, that's incredible. They are still legal for captive service. What does that mean? Captive service means you don't hand off the car to another railroad. Well, well it's a good thing we don't have railroads that just can, you know, run a train entirely within their own network for thousands of miles. Mm-hmm. I was about to say, I believe uh, uh, you're not going to see... Uh, Break ju- up the class ones. You do occasionally see some journal-bearing cars in, like, maintenance away service on the class one railroads. Um, not very often. Um, sometimes if you like have a weird railroad, like the Florida sugar railroad, they use a lot of journal bearing cars. Um, you certainly will not see them in passenger service though. <laughs> Small mercies. Yes. Also, what is it with, uh, catastrophic train crashes and the troops, uh, the, the train being filled with troops? Cause like, we'll get to this if we ever do Quentin's Hill, but that was another one where it was like a, tra- uh, like it was a troop train. So I don't know why it's like. Some kind of correlation there. It's probably because there was just so much railroad traffic during World War II. Mm, yeah. Yeah, you just have more trains running, you have more... Um, and and more this p- without being, like, bombed and stuff, yeah. Yes. So, uh, but luckily, you know, the government acted eventually. And, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, nothing speedy, bad... At, speedy regulation. Speedy regulation, speedy and effective regulation. Nothing bad happened at Frankfurt Junction ever again until 2013. Um, oh. It was a 2012. No good. Yeah. It's, that's, that's like uh, like the way my dad drives, trying to figure out whether to take an exit or not off the motorway. <laughs> <laughs> well, when I, I was at college when this accident occurred, and I was like, well, well, yeah. it's a good thing the tank cars weren't uh, parked closer to... Um, the, the mm. right away. Jesus, yeah. Yeah. Well, what have we learned from, from this? Don't use plain bearings don't on your railroad. Don't, don't use plain bearings on your railroads. Do not know. use the oily rag box. I don't know if any railroad owners listen to this podcast. Warren <laughs> Buffett, I'm calling you out. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like really weird. I, I did not realize until I, I did the research for this one that the uh that that you could run cars with journal bearings until 1994. They were banned in 1991 on hazardous material shipments, though. So that was a little <laughs> more prompt. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, like I, playing devil's advocate for a second, clearly that was fine, right? Because there was no like giant accident that required the federal government to ban them sooner. I think one of the one of the big things about um you know passenger train safety. Um, in this country, especially since 1971, is there's so many fewer passenger trains that you just mm-hmm. don't have the accidents that you know you would otherwise have if you had a more 
more extensive the, the, like, network. Sort of like the, the, the sort of like bloody thing that would require better regulation. Yeah. But also, like, sometimes when you have these accidents, the regulation that comes out is really stupid and bad. Um, mm. That's, uh, that's uh, when we do the um, Port Defiance Bypass accident. I will go off on that one. Um, Hell yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's, um, it's, uh, it's, it's just weird, uh, you know, that it took so long for anything to be done about it, especially when they came out with a report that said, yeah, this kind of bearing is inherently unsafe. Well, the, uh, the federal government had a war on. That was, you know, they were distracted. This is true. Although I figure the Interstate Commerce Commission wasn't too concerned about the war. <laughs> you know, they, they had other things. They, you know, they're just regulating interstate commerce rather than doing war. Mm. Although I have no idea. Yeah, probably all of the guys who used to work on it were like at that moment in fucking Anzio or something. Yeah, they were they were on <laughs> Omaha Beach. <laughs> yeah. Dreaming of roller bearings. Mm-hmm. Well, that was the 1943 Frankfurt Junction wreck. Hell yeah. We have a segment on this it. podcast called Safety Third. Greetings from Delaware, WTYP. No, let's just end the episode now. <laughs> well, thanks for coming. Delaware is a failed state. Listen, listen, they've produced a president. You know? I'm. So did we. It, it, it was Buchanan. Is that something you're proud of? Oh, my <laughs> God. I'm a chemical engineer who's worked oh, no. in a number of different industries over the years. I have far too many stories of safety-related idiocy. Well, a process man am I. Yes. This particular anecdote does not involve any injuries or property damage, but is a cautionary tale about the safe handling of hazardous liquids. Oh, no. It was a Monday morning in early March in lovely Westchester, Pennsylvania. Oh, boy. Home of the intersection of High and Gay Streets. Dub C, baby. Dub C all day, baby. <laughs> when I got to work in front of the building where my office was, there was a tanker truck. This was not an uncommon occurrence, as drivers would have to wait uh, if there was not an open space at one of the offloading stations. I thought nothing of it and went inside. It turned out the truck was full of glacial acrylic acid, GAA. I don't know what that is. Um, and the load had been rejected by our quality lab because it was too hot. Like G uh, uh, stolen or? No, it was temperature wise too hot. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I, I'm sure if um, they were in the business of receiving stolen goods. <laughs> yeah, I run a chemical chop shop. I, I received tanker trucks of stolen chemicals constantly. <laughs> 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 we just have we just have a bunch of yeah, we keep sulfuric acid, acid in the back. that fell off a truck. 
Great. Fantastic. All right. All right. All right. I lost a relationship. I didn't even know I had. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's true what they say. You never realize what you had until it's gone. Dude, yes. I figured out one of my exes had a kid on purpose and then we got married this weekend. How do you think I fucking feel right now? Jesus oh, fucking oh, Christ. This is how I feel. Oof. To make matters worse, the temperature in the tank was slowly rising. Remember, GAA can react with itself without inhibitor. And the reaction is exothermic. Also remember, this truckload of acid had been frozen three days before, which meant the level of inhibitor was definitely lower than what it said on the paperwork. Cue a bunch of panicked engineers suddenly realizing we had a potential 40,000-pound bomb sitting in the parking lot. <laughs> the consensus was that we had to cool it down as fast as possible. The first thing they tried was hooking a garden hose from our cleaning closet faucet to the internal heating and cooling coils on the tank wagon. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> this did about as much good as you can imagine. There was no way to agitate the liquid inside to ensure the entire load could get in contact with the cooling coils. The solution to this was to have the driver rock the truck forwards and backwards several times to get the liquid sloshing yeah. around. The, the fucking American Truck Simulator DLC is out of control. You gotta fucking... <laughs> yeah, just, just rock back and forward on this bomb you've made. <laughs> Once again, this did precisely fuck all, and the temperature of the acid continued to rise. At this point, the safety director gave the order to evacuate the engineering building, and the site emergency response team, ERT, pulled out several high-powered water cannons normally used for firefighting, as shown in the picture. Right? Mm -hmm. Mm hmm The idea here was that a massive flow of water over the outside of the tanker would be enough to cool the acid. In theory, this would slow or stop the ongoing polymerization before it hit the point of no return and started to auto-accelerate. Of course, if it did get that hot, the only remaining recourse for us would have been to run like hell and hope we reach the minimum <laughs> safe distance in time. I have no idea what that distance would be, but I'm pretty sure I couldn't have run that fast from where I took this picture. <laughs> for the next couple of hours, hundreds of gallons of water per minute were blasted onto the tanker. Amazingly, this worked, and the temperature rise was reversed. The next step was to open the lid on the top of the tanker and dump in some fresh inhibitor to kill the reaction completely. Since there wasn't a pressure gauge on the tanker, the uh, emergency response team suited up in full turnout slash firefighting gear, including scuba. Well, uh, SCBA. It's not underwater. It's the above water thing. SCABA. Um, and put a ladder on the side of the tank. The man who drew the short straw climbed up, opened the hatch, and... You don't pay that guy enough. Whatever no. that guy's getting paid, it's not enough. Give him more. Nothing happened. <laughs> yeah, and that guy has to order a new set of turnout pants. Yes. <laughs> After the collective unclenching of everyone's sphincters, a 50-pound bag of the most potent inhibitor we had on site 
was passed up the ladder and dumped into the tank. At that point, we figured the truck was safe to go back on the road since there was now enough inhibitor in it for a batch five times the size of what was in the truck. It was entirely unusable for any of our products, but wasn't our problem anymore. That's just going to get dumped down a drain, dude. Oh my god, yeah. Yeah, yeah. probably that went straight in the Delaware River. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we set the driver on his way, and that was the end of that. By that point, it was close to the end of the day. We all went home and drank heavily. Or I know I did, at least. Good lord. I worked at that company for a few more years, during which we had a couple of other incidents, but I'll tell you about those another time if you're interested. Absolutely. Thank you for all you do and keep up the great work on the podcast. It makes me glad that I went into engineering as a profession and validates my frantic yelling about safety to disinterested coworkers. <laughs> Best regards, Josh. Thanks, Josh. Thank yes, you, Josh. Let me let me know if you want a localish chemical engineer on the on the show as a guest commenter. I've seen some shit. Hell yeah. Also, no trees were killed and no animals were harmed in the creation of this message. However, many electrons were terribly inconvenienced. <laughs> it's old timey email signature right there. Shake hands with danger. Um, next episode's on the Comanero's Bridge disaster. No, it's no, no, it's not. No, it's yeah, not. Yeah, the it next is. episode is on the Boston molasses flood. Is it? Yeah. I, yeah. I didn't know we were switching bits. Yeah, yeah we, we were switching bits. Said this. We told you. I don't, yeah. I don't believe you. The, the, the next episode is on the, the Boston Molasses You don't flood. listen to me. This is why we broke up. <laughs> right. You said Fantastic. communication is key, and yet where were you? Oh, my God. When my sister was pregnant, Roz. Where were you? <laughs> you don't have a sister. That, oh, not that you would know, because you never listened to Mr. High and Mighty. I'm logging off. Goodbye. All right. Uh, good night, everybody. Uh, do you want to do ads real quick? Or do we do or ads? Is do Alice we already... Ads? Uh, Kill James Bond podcast, Trash Future podcast, Lions Live by Donkeys podcast, uh, Franklin, Franklin when podcast, is it podcast? It's not a podcast, not a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's a one man podcast, Franklin, like a one man show. Franklin, man at some show. point, uh, the reboot of the Liam Anderson podcast, uh, coming eventually when I sort of figure out the format I want to do. Um, uh, I guess until next time, uh, death to pep boys. That's right. Very Stupid nice. ass company name. Stupid yeah, ass company. Say. Bye. Bye everybody. Uh, off feet is in.